The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Now, I want to shake your Bibles and turn to with me, please, to Psalm 23 as we are continuing looking at this psalm. Uh, and also, keep your finger at Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be in that book as well this morning. And so far, we talked about the secret to a happy life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, verse 1. And we talked about last Sunday, the Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of our peace. He makes us lie down in green pastures and leads us beside still waters. And we talked about how to deal with stress, right? Because uh, stressful sheep are not productive sheep. Uh, but we need to chew on God's word, meditate, be still. And we talked about the reason we're so stressed is because we are like sheep, because sheep aren't really the smartest animals around. And today we're going to talk about Jehovah Rapha, which means God who heals, a God who restores. So let's read Psalm 23, all six verses again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. E though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Today we're going to look at verse 3, which says, He restores my soul, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. But here's a trivia question for you. What do Jacob, David, Samson, Simon Peter, John Mark, and Cornet have in common? Only one's been bitten by a donkey. That's me. They're all men of God who love God who've gotten out of fellowship with God, and who have been brought back into fellowship with God. And you can add your name to that list as well. You see, it's the nature, as we briefly touched on this last week, it's the nature of the sheep to wander and stray. It's nature of the sheep sometimes to get away from the shepherd. And he restores my soul can be translated to bring back the stray. Some sheep tend to wander off from the rest of the flock, and... You know, the, what, what happens is, and, and technically, most of the sheep that stray, they're the ones that nibble. They're not heavy eaters, you know. The heavy eaters usually stay in one place and eat. But the stray sheep, they usually nibble over here, nibble over here, over there, and all of a sudden, they're away from the shepherd. So that tells us to keep feeding on the Word of God. And But those who nibble on the Word of God just bite and bite and often wander away from God. And the most fruitful source of spiritual decline is to, for a believer to neglect the Word of God and to neglect to feed on the Word of God. And we also touched based on Hosea 11.7 last Sunday. My people are bent, bent on backsliding from me, though they call me the Most High, none at all exalt Him. And we sing a song called Come Thou Fountain of Every Blessing. There's words that says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And remember I asked a question last Sunday, how many of you tend to wander off from God? And I think everybody pretty much raised their hands. But folks, let me also tell you this, not just the sheep that nibble go astray, 
but it's also those sheep that have been Christians for a while, and really, the more spiritual you are, the further you're along in your Christian life, it is easier for you to get away from the shepherd. And, you know, you think you're arrived. You think you can handle certain things. And then you're flirting with temptation. You think you can handle it. You thought you were too spiritual. You thought you were far beyond that in your life. And then, boom, you fell. You strayed. Because we think we're spiritually strong and we get a little prideful. And 1 Corinthians 10, 12 warns those kind of people. says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So in a sense, any sheep can go astray. It's the nature of the sheep to get astray, get lost. Because we talked about last Sunday, they're directionless animals. They won't stop and ask for directions when they get lost, right? Men, you have a problem with doing that too? But there's good news. It's the nature of the shepherd to restore his sheep. It's the nature of the shepherd to restore his sheep. And thank God we have a good shepherd that comes after us and brings us back. And the good shepherd counts, looks at his sheep because they wander off. Without help of the shepherd, remember, we're kind of like the cast sheep. We'll never get up on our own feet. We can't do it. We need the shepherd to lift us up. And folks, the shepherd is out there looking for those cast sheep. But the problem is, and you have to remember, the shepherd is not the only one that's looking for that cast sheep out there that's lost. You see, shepherds are not the only ones because predators do it as well. They look for the sheep that's all there by themselves. And Matthew 7, 15 warns us, Jesus said this, Beware of false prophets who come in your sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are heavenless wolves. And Paul also spoke of the wolves entering into the church in Acts 20, 29. He says, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come and moan you, not sparing the flock. And I think we're also all familiar with the verse where it says the devil is like a roaring lion walking around looking for somebody to swallow. And no wonder David exalted, David got away from God. No wonder he wrote this psalm and said in Psalm 1, the Lord my shepherd I shall not want. And then he says in verse 3, restores my soul. He restores my soul. So really, we're going to talk about restoration. I want to talk about how to get right with God and stay right with God and how to get right with God if you're not right with God and how if you do get right with God, how do you stay right? How do you stay right? Now, folks, if you're not right, we need to get right. And if we get right, we need to stay right. And Psalm 23 is such a deep meaning for, for, for us. David has wondered, wondered once more. And from depths of his feeling, he says, he restores my soul. Do you know that you could be in church every Sunday, sing as we did wonderfully, follow the scriptural reading with interest, give a good offering in a play, be knowledgeable about the Bible, be a church leader, even a pastor, and still be a backslider? Did you know that? And many of us have become what the Bible calls backslider. Now, a backslider is not an unsaved person. A backslider is a saved person out of fellowship with God and somebody who's already been saved. So you have to 
You have to go somewhere before you can come back. So you were saved, but now you're backsliding. And a matter of fact, uh, God speaks of himself being married to a backslider. If you look at Jeremiah 3.14, it says this, Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. But while their relationship with God cannot be broken, our fellowship with God can be broken. And we lose the joy that we have in our salvation. That's why David wrote in Psalm 51, 12, he says, Restore me the joy of your salvation. And that hold me in your generous spirit. He didn't say restore your salvation. He said the joy of your salvation. He never lost his salvation. He lost the joy of his salvation. And that's why he says restores my soul. Look again in Psalm 23, 3. It says, restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So I wanted today to look at Three things of Jehovah Rapha, or the shepherd. What's the ministry of the shepherd? That's the first thing. Now, David found, thought of himself as a sheep and Lord as his shepherd. Now, I believe there's three kinds of sheep that need restoring. You might come up with more, but I really just want to look at three today in this message I know you'll be able to think of others. And first of all, there's what we call stubborn sheep. You know any stubborn sheep? Yeah? Anybody looked in the mirror this morning? And stubborn sheep are just sheep that just want their way. Now, think of, we think of a sheep being gentle and easily led. Not necessarily. Sometimes sheep can be very stubborn. They're headstrong. They want their own way. Isn't that what Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, 6? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. So we want our own way. We get very stubborn. And sometimes the stubborn sheep need to get restored. There's also the straying sheep. That's another kind of sheep that needs restoring. Now these sheep not just willfully go away. They just weakly go away. They're just careless. You know, many times they fall into pits, fall into cracks. They get tangled up in the thorns, and they get away from the shepherd that way. They get into hazard places. They need to be restored. They need to be brought back to the fold. And third, there's the sick sheep. Sheep can get sick. There are many enemies out there, many diseases, and many things that might poison or trap or wound the sheep. Now, it's the ministry of the shepherd, of Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, to restore these kinds of sheep. And how does he do it? How does he do it? How does he restore the stubborn sheep? Well, a shepherd has two instruments, a rod and a staff. He restores the stubborn sheep with a rod. And a rod is, you take a sapling, like a tree, and they'll cut it out, they pull it out with the roots, and they'll cut off all the roots around it and leave that ball there. 
And then they'll smooth it out and they'll smooth out the little shaft too. So basically it looks like a club. And then they will put metal or sharp things inside that root that's, that's, that's a, a, looks like a ball. And that becomes a very powerful weapon. There's a weapon in his hands. And it's not necessarily designed for sheep. He'll be at hillsides, and for many weeks, uh, sheep, he'll be practicing throwing that rod. But the reason he's doing that, sometimes, you know, uh, there's wolves, there's people that might rob him and so forth. So it's more of a protection from lions, from wolves, and things like that, wild dogs. But sometimes he had to use this rod on the sheep himself. The shepherd would sometimes be very drastic, very severe, he would take that rod and he would break a leg of the stubborn sheep. You say, why would he do that? Well, we'll get to that in a moment. But after he had done that, he would immediately heal it. He would bind it. He would put a splint in it. He would wrap the leg and he would help heal the sheep back to its normal place. Uh, and, and you ever seen the shepherd carrying the sheep? That's not because he loves him so much. That's the stubborn sheep. Remember we discussed in Isaiah 40, the, the sheep, the, the little lambs he carries in his bosom. And in Isaiah 40, 11, it's not on the slide, but we read it last Sunday. But that's what he does with the sheep. And it's an interesting thing because from that time onwards, the sheep that had been broken and healed and now is restored, it would actually move out of the flock and get real close to the shepherd and eventually becomes the leader of the flock. And Hosea 6.1 illustrates this, though there's many examples, but it says in Hosea 6.1, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken but he will bind us up. Basically says, come let us return to the Lord. Now he's speaking here of those who have been away from God. He has torn, but then he says he will heal us. The same God that breaks us is the same God that binds us in order that we might return to him and be restored. Have you been broken recently through some circumstance? Maybe there's something going on in your life. You're feeling confused. You're wondering if ever anybody cares. Folks, we need to understand not just the good things, but the bad things. God has allowed this to happen in your life to be, to be, and we have to be willing to let him bind us. Let him heal us. And remember, we touched on these verses last Sunday too. In Psalm 119.67, David says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. And said, verse 71 says, It's good for me that I've been afflicted that allowed me to learn your statutes. And I was thinking about this, and I said, well, is there another example besides David that this happened to? And there was. Jacob. Jacob the patriarch. Jacob was a shepherd himself who got away from God. But eventually God brought him to a lonely place and there was an amazing wrestling match. You guys remember that story? And what happened on that occasion? God hit Jacob with his club. 
he crippled him for life. The Lord broke him and then restored him. In the rest of Jacob's life, he bore a mark of God's dealing with him. He walked with a limp. If you look at Genesis 32, 25, it says, Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. The Lord himself wounded this man, the man of God. He broke this man of God. And the rest of his life, Jacob had to work, walk leaning on his staff. Did you know that? And the Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty one, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each son of Joseph, worshipped leaning on the top of his staff. Why did the Bible put that there? Why, why did bless each son of Joseph and worship God? Why did it say leaning on top of his staff? Why did it need to be that detail there? To teach us a lesson. Simply because it's desire of the shepherd that we walk through life leaning upon him. And if we do not do it willingly, he may have to break us. He may have to break us and restore us before leaning on him happens. So the good shepherd uses the rod, not because he does not love the sheep, but because he loves the sheep. And now what God does sometimes is chastise the sheep, disciplines the sheep. Not because he doesn't love the sheep, but because he does love the sheep. And if we look at Hebrews, I told you we're going to be looking at Hebrews 2. In Hebrews 12, uh, this illustrates the point very well in verses 5 through 11. It says this, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure in chastening, God God deals with you as with sons. If you're enduring chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there from a father does not chasten? But if you're not without chastening, which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much readily be in subjection to the father's spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days of chastening us seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of, of his holiness. Underline that, because we're going to touch on that. Of his holiness. Partakers of his holiness. And no chastening seems to be joyful in verse 11 for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So we read here, he scourges every son. Scourges a rod. All true sons. And certainly wasn't a joyful when the sheep's leg got broken, right? It's not a joyful experience. Yet, it brought fruitfulness to the shepherd. And what is that fruit? We just read it in verse 11. Fruit of righteousness. And what tasks does the good shepherd want to lead his sheep? Look at verse 
3 again, Psalm 23. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Now, when you're experiencing some difficulty or chastisement comes to you because you've been a stubborn sheep, there's three things you can do. You can resent it or despise it. In verse 5, Hebrews 12 says, you have forgotten exhortation, but it says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. So you may just despise it. That's why he says don't despise it. You may resent it. Why is this will be foolish for you? It will be very foolish for you to do this because chastening and discipline, the restoring of the soul, proves your sonship to God. And verse 6 in Hebrew says, from the, whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son he receives. It's not that God doesn't love you. Wasn't the shepherd didn't love his sheep and just walk around breaking everybody's ankles, plied the rod. It was his deep love for the sheep. Now, this is a very severe case that he would do this because it's a stubborn sheep. And that reveals to us that you're a child of God and that he loves you. You know, I have many people sometimes say, well, I dabble in sin and run with the world. I go my own way. God doesn't do anything. I don't, don't chastise me. You may feel like saying, I run with the world. I do my own thing. I do what I want. I go my own way. Nothing's happening. Well, hate to break it to you if nothing's happening. Look at verse 8 in Hebrew 2. But if you are without chastening, of which you all become partakers, then you're a illegitimate and not sons. You're claiming to be a Christian and you're living in sin and nothing's happening to you? Guess what? Have you thought about it? That you're not a legitimate child? If you're without chastisement, there's you sin freely, you feel no remorse, you feel no guilt. There's no discipline from God. God doesn't speak to you, doesn't convict you of your sins. You're an illegitimate child. Not only that, but it also restores our and renews our worship. Look at verse 9 in Hebrews 12. Furthermore, we had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall not more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? You know, correction should renew our reverence also for God. Draw us from, from us even more. More worship should be coming out from our hearts. Have you ever noticed, and I guess I'm pretty old, getting there, how grown-ups love to talk about how back in their days their parents would give them a good licking. My parents used to lay it on me. Everybody knew who the boss was in our house. All mom had to do was say, I'm telling dad. And when we didn't cooperate, he operated. And this verse is not in here. I'm kind of going offline, but 
And he, I believe in Proverbs 13, 24, it says, he who spares his rob hates his son. Hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And the reason I remember that verse in English and in Russian, because my dad would quote it before we have to go pick out a belt that we want to get whipped with. And folks, I pity children these days who live in homes where parents don't love them enough to correct them. I pity children like that, folks. Discipline. It reveals our sonship, renews our worship, and proves that he loves us. Now, we gave our earthly father's reference, right? If you look back in verses 9 through 10, furthermore, we had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of the spirits and live? For they indeed, for a few days chastened us, seemed to best to them, but he for our profit, that we may partakers of his holiness. You know, somebody looks at this verse as seemed best to them. You need to understand it wasn't the joy that your parents got or God gets of discipline, but for your profit. What's the profit? Partakers of his holiness. And friend, God is not in the business of health, wealth, and all that kind of stuff and prosperity. Make sure you have a good life here on earth. He's in business of making you holy. He didn't save you even to go to heaven. That's just a French benefit. It's to make you holy, to make him, to make you like him, holy. So it restores the sheep, reveals our sonship, renews our worship, and it also restores our fellowship, remember? Restore the joy of our salvation to fellowship. Now in Hebrews 12, 11, it says, chastening seems to be joyful uh, uh, for a present time, but painful. It's painful. We have to understand that we're going to experience some pain in our life. When you were a child and your dad or mom punished you and spanked you, did you say, oh, how wonderful. How wonderful. Glad this is happening to me, right? Dad, just go ahead and spank me. You know, put more blisters or you know where. And my brother's not here, not this brother, but my other one. I remember when we were little and dad would tell us to go get a whip or, yeah, we'll cut down a, like a willow tree whip. Or, or the belt, and while we were out there getting it, we knew it was going to be painful. So my other brother lives in California. He would stuff books in his butt, and he would, he would come with a square butt. My dad would take it out and say, you know, books are for your brain. The belt's for your butt. But it's painful. We don't say wonderful, thank you, you're so wise and kind. We didn't do that. It wasn't joyful for the present time, but painful. Afterward, it yields peaceable fruit of righteousness. And it's not like I disciplined, you know, when dad disciplined us, it's not like in a week I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm still mad. But now that I'm grown up, now I understand. Now what he did years ago is bringing fruit of righteousness because he trained us the right way. He put us on a path of righteousness. And that's what our shepherd is doing. And when old Jacob, he's, no, he's not wrestling with God anymore. He's worshiping and leaning on his staff. I'm sure he didn't want that 
hip replaced or, you know, have surgery or something like that. It's not fun. But God healed him and now put him on the path of righteousness. And folks, thank God that we have a God that loves us enough to discipline us and he knows exactly what he's doing. So don't get all upset. Don't get discouraged by it. If you look at verse 5 again, it says, my son, do not despise it. But then he says, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. Don't just despise it. Don't get discouraged. I've seen people get discouraged when chastening comes in their life. And they just get away with God and God's disciplined them or something, trying to bring them back, sending people to talk to them, throwing, you know, kind of put them back. But they just, they just want to quit. I'm not going to church no more. What kind of God is this? You said it was a loving God, but this is what I'm getting in my life and so forth. It's, it, it's a terrible thing. They're spiritual dropouts. So don't get discouraged. Pay attention to those words there, nor be discouraged. It's a tough thing to do because it's painful, right? You don't despise it. You don't get discouraged. Because in verse 11, as we read, it's not joyful for the present time, but painful. But the end, fruit of righteousness. That means God has a purpose. And that's how the shepherd deals with the stubborn sheep. Now, what about the strange sheep? They're not necessarily stubborn, right? You know, in verse 4 of Psalm 23, and we'll talk about four, verse 4 a little bit more, more to, uh, next Sunday, but you see, like I said before, a rod and staff. A shepherd has a rod and your staff. They comfort me, Jacob says. And we talked about, we'll talk about those things the next Sunday. Now, the shepherd would get another long stick, but this time he would cut it at the root, and then he would bend it. Sometimes they'll put it in the boiling water, and they create this... This crook, shepherd's crook, everybody knows what, I'm sure everybody's familiar with that one more than the club. It's just big enough to go around the chest of a little lamb. It's just big enough to go around the neck of a sheep. And with that staff, he guides the sheep. He pulls the sheep. And when the sheep is walking around a long, narrow path or, you know, in the mountains or so forth, in this cliff, sometimes he taps them so to make sure that they stay closer to, to the edge. And when the sheep get down in the mud, sinking sand, something like that, he uses the staff to pull them out. And that's what David said when he said in Psalm 40, verse 2, he says, he also brought me up from a horrible pit out of miry clay and set my feet upon rock and established my steps. So maybe it was by accident, not paying attention, thinking too prideful maybe, just careless, so you're not necessarily stubborn, but you end up in the mud. And he uses the staff to pull you out. And when we get weak, we get in sin, we get in the briars, the thorns, we get in the mud, that God will use his staff. God has a staff that loves, loves us with grace and draws us back to him. But then the third thing I want to talk about is we, you know, have the sick sheep. 
You see, each night, we kind of briefly talked about this too, when he brings the sheep into the sheepfold, and there's that little narrow gate, as they enter through, he counts them. He feels their wool. He's the door. Remember in John 10, 7, we read, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, inside that enclosure, the sheep are safe, and the door was the shepherd himself who positioned his body across the opening. No one can come in or leave without his permission. But as they come in at night, he would check them. He would go into fingers in the wool. He would look at the scars. There'd be a bruise, scab, anything like that. The shepherd would find that sheep, and he would pour healing oil on it. He would actually anoint the head of the sheep with oil. And the oil is there to soothe and medicate, to heal and lubricate, and give comfort to the suffering sheep. And they really mix it with sulfur and tar. Also, that was used to repel insects. And I was reading this, and again, you can read that book by Philip Keller. Sheep have pests that bothers them. These flies get in the wounds and so forth. But this oil would be smeared to give comfort and protection from those pests. And I was thinking, thank God for the Holy Spirit that protects us from the devil's flies. Thank God for the comfort when we're bruised and hurt, when we're wounded and we're limping. The shepherd knows, he cares. Not only cares, he feels, calls us by name. He knows them one by one, restores them, heals them, binds them, brings them back to himself. And David had all those things in mind when he said, he restores my soul. Because if you studied the life of David, David had been stubborn. He'd been broken. He strayed many times, but then been retrieved. He had been hurt and wounded, but healed by the Lord. And folks, thank God for this ministry, chastisement, ministry of discipline, ministry of correction, and also for the ministry of comfort. And as I sat in my study last night, I thought about my own life. And folks, there's, I'm thankful to God. Like, where would I end up if he didn't use a rod at me sometimes? Because I was a stubborn sheep. Where would I be if he didn't use his staff on me? And where would I be if he didn't pour his oil on me? He restores my soul. That's his ministry. That's what the shepherd does. He looks out. Sometimes his means are not the means we like, but that's how he restores. And why does he restore our soul? Why does he do this? Well, he restored us that he might master us and that he might guide us. And I was thinking about this, and the problem with many of us, we're just interested in getting restored, right? Hey, I just want to get restored. But we have to go from restoration to the paths of righteousness. And if we don't do that, you're going to be right back in the same old problem. 
And so many of us just simply want to get back right, and we don't get back on track and following God. We just want to get right with God, but not necessarily following God. And that's the reason we end up back where we were. And restored sheep should follow closer than ever, just like the sheep, when he breaks his leg, it sticks closer to the shepherd. We ought to be like that sheep. Just muzzles the shepherd and stays close to the shepherd that he might master us, he might lead us, he might guide us. You know, we know a verse in John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Well, to follow the Lord, there's some things necessary. You've got to be obsessed with the Lord. Are you obsessed? Yes, I'm using that word. You've got to love the shepherd. You've got to be obsessed. You know, we, I know Christians that know more about football than they know about Bible, and they've been following Christ for 20 years. They can tell me all statistics of Ohio State football going back to the 50s and 60s and, you know, Woody Hayes days. But yet, they can't tell me anything from God's Word. You've got to be obsessed with the shepherd. you just got to keep coming back. you got to feed on him. You know, I have a woodpecker that's obsessed with my deck. Each year, I don't know why, but there's this piece of uh, baseboard on my deck that I have to replace. He just comes and just puts a hole in it. Each year, you can hear him early in the morning. That's the way we got to be. Just be obsessed with God. Somebody may call you a Jesus freak, but that's all right. You know, people call me a religious nut. And I just tell them I'm attached to a bolt that's named Jesus Christ. That's it. At the end of the day, you know, at the end of life, what's going to matter? I'm obsessed with God. Not only that, but you have to observe the shepherd. And to observe the shepherd, to learn from him, to hear his voice, you have to be close to the shepherd. Remember we talked about the sheep? They don't have very good hearing. And not only that, you have to obey the shepherd, if you want to go in the path of righteousness. You have to obey the shepherd. And in Exodus 15, 26, it says, And then I said, If you diligently heed my voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord Jehovah Rapha. I'm healing. I'm restoring. And Jesus said, they sheep hear my voice. Now, you can't obey anybody whose voice you don't hear. How are you going to hear the shepherd's voice? How are you going to observe the shepherd if you don't stay close to him? And we mentioned this last week, right? Green pastures, still waters. What are we doing? Meditating on the Word of God. Spending Time with God in this chaotic and fast world. In this way, the shepherd is going to lead you, he's going to guide you, and you're going to hear his voice. And folks, let me tell you the seriousness of this, the importance, the importance of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. And why did Jesus come? 
and John 10.10. 10. Thief doesn't come to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that, that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. How do you have it? He would lead you in the path of righteousness. You know, sometimes people think Christianity is a whole bunch of made-up rules and so forth. And it's so difficult. They're not. They're not difficult if you stay close to the shepherd. Shepherd leading, his leading is always on the path of righteousness. And what's wrong with many of us, we always try to get out of trouble, then stick on the right path of righteousness. We have this, you know, restore me mentality. I mean, it's all negative. You know, I heard of a football coach and a team recruiter were discussing what kind of football players they would want on the team for next season. So the recruiter said, Coach, what kind of players you're looking for? Said, you know, when you're playing football, there's a guy that knocks out a guy and that guy doesn't get up. It's like, yeah. It's like, we don't want that kind of person, Coach, right? He's like, no, we don't. He said, but you know, when you're playing football, there's a guy, you knock him down, and then he just gets up. You knock him down again, then he doesn't get up. Like, yeah, we don't want that kind of person either. said, now there's a guy that you knock him down, and then he gets up. You knock him down again, he gets up. You knock him down again, he gets up. And the recruiter says, that's the player we want, coach. The coach says, no. I want the guy that's knocking everybody down. <laughs> Folks, I'm grateful that he restores us. I'm grateful when we're down, he gets us up, but we're down, he gets us up. We, is that what we're doing? Wouldn't you like to get up and stay up? I mean, I would like to get a more defense than on offense all the time. Wouldn't you like to do a little knocking? I would like to be a force for God rather than just simply a casualty of always being restored. So that's why many of us have this restoration mentality. He restores my soul. There needs to be the mastery of the shepherd. He's the master. You need to follow him. So restores my soul. That's the ministry. The mastery, he leads me on the paths of righteousness in Psalm 23.3. So we need to determine, folks, not that we're only going to get right with God, but we're going to stay right with God. We're going to hear the voice of the shepherd. We're going to get into the word. We're not going to find ourselves in thorns, in briars, down in the pit. Why? Because we're staying close to the shepherd. And where the shepherd leaves, all his paths are righteousness. But not only that, if you look at uh, verse uh, 3 again, you see he restores my soul. That's the ministry. He leads me in paths of righteousness. That's the mastery. The last thing I want to talk about is the majesty for his namesake. His name. What is the name of the shepherd? We discussed that in the first sermon, the Lord in all caps, Jehovah, the most holy name of God for God in the whole Bible. It's God's name. It's God's honor is at stake by the way you live and by the way I live. And folks, the name of Jehovah is going to be judged by everybody in this room, how we live our lives. What kind of God are we worshiping? 
Shepherds' reputation is based on the activity and the welfare and the obedience of the sheep. How did Jesus taught us to pray when disciples said, teach us to pray? In Matthew 6, 9, in this manner, therefore pray, Father in heaven, what? Hallowed be your name. Jehovah. Jehovah is his name. And I'm going to tell you, this name, the, the interesting thing, the most sacred name of for God in the Old Testament, yet it's found nowhere in the New Testament. And why is that? Anybody been listening to my sermons? Because Jesus is the Jehovah of the New Testament. And do you know what Jesus means? It means Jehovah saves. That's exactly what the name Jesus means. That's what the angel said in Matthew 121 said, And she will bring forth a son, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And if I'm his sheep and he's my shepherd, I don't want to disgrace that name. In Proverbs 21, 22.1 says, A good name to be chosen rather than great riches, love and favor rather than silver and gold. I remember when my dad would, you know, back in those days we had pagers. If I'm out and about, out late, he would page me. And, you know, he'll ask me, I'll put up a phone uh, to a payphone, call him, and he'll say where I'm at, and I'll tell him that, where I'm doing, what I'm planning, and tell me to come home at this time and so forth. But before we, we would uh, end, he would say, remember who you are and remember whose you are. Don't mess up the Petranko name. <laughs> remember who you are and remember whose you are. Not believe what the Lord would say to his sheep. You are my sheep. In Psalm 95, 7, he says, He is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand today if you will hear his voice. So he's saying, you're my sheep. You're the people of my pasture. Your name is linked to him. I want to lead you on the paths of righteousness. And, you know, there's things that we would say here earthly. You know, we don't want to bring disgrace upon our family, our parents, our children, or your spouse. A good name is important. But how much more important is a, a name of our God? When you go out in this world, don't live a Christian life as we ought to live. And there aren't, uh, you know, we're not the kind of people or persons that God intends us to be. It not only disgraces his name, but it makes a lot of people wonder what kind of Christ we serve. What kind of Jesus are you following? And that's one of the main things that keeps me straight. I have this burning desire to give glory to that name the best I can. Do you have that desire? To give glory to that name? Do you feel that way? Are you obsessed with the Lord? And let me give you this verse, and I'm going to be finished. In 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 19, says this, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And pay attention to this. And let everyone whose name of Christ, whose name's the name of Christ, if you call yourself a Christ follower, Depart from iniquity. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Isn't that a good verse? Reminds us. 
for his namesake. Now, if you have not acknowledged the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, I will encourage you to do that today. Now, maybe you've been saved, but you may have strayed a while. Maybe you're being stubborn and you need restoration. Jesus is the only one who can restore your soul. What is the soul? And why does it need to be restored? The soul is part of the human trinity. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blameless. Paths of righteousness. And we need to be sanctified and preserved completely. And folks, let me tell you this. The good shepherd does not restore souls of those who do not belong to him. He only returns what was one us at a better place, a sheep that went astray. A person who is not saved cannot have restoration unless you are saved first. So you need, if anyone has not done that, I would encourage you to do that. That's the biggest question of your life. Are you going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? And thank God what a shepherd we have. We showed for his namesake, that's the majesty, the mastery. He can only lead us in the paths of righteousness. He has no other paths. I want to step where he steps. You know, I was reading a story about World War II here in the United States, and there was a uh, soldiers and they were came across a minefield and uh, uh, they were deciding that they're going to go one by one. So uh, you know, if the, one of the soldiers uh, blows up, the rest know where he stepped and so forth, and then the next one go. So they were debating who was going to go first, and the commander went first, the leader went first, and he made it all the way through, and the rest of the people were able to get through because they followed in his footsteps. God of heaven, God of heaven, mighty God, left his beautiful throne, became man, took form of a man, walked this life blamelessly, a righteous life. And you can do it too. But the only way you can do it is by stepping in his footsteps. By stepping in his footsteps. Think about that. What a shepherd, folks. Thank God that there's Jehovah Rapha. So when we stray, he restores us. Restores, leads us on paths of righteousness and for his namesake. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much.